Welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. I'm your host, Joey, and today I'm joined by Thomas Emerson. Thomas owns and operates a gym called Praxis, which is in Canberra. That's south of Sydney, where I am for the overseas listeners. And we share a lot of similar values. It's a very movement-focused gym, and I haven't actually had the pleasure of setting foot in there myself. However, we've had a lot of crossover with coaches and members in the past. Today, I sit down with Thomas and we talk about his movement journey, going from team sports through to becoming a dedicated movement practitioner, but then also his transition from being someone that's interested in movement to being someone that's now running a business around it. And we dived really deep into how he's built his business and what that's been like and some of the unique struggles that he's faced along the way. Really cool chat. If you're in the movement game or if you're in the gym game or considering being so, you will take a lot from it. I hope you enjoy today's chat with Thomas Emerson. How you going, Joey? Brother, I'm good. How are you? Good, man. You hear me all right? Yeah, you're coming through uh, real nice. Nice basal tones on that, that mic you got there. Good. That's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. Well, that could just be your voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, um, you've got a, I was just, I've been scanning over your Instagram for a while, but you've got a podcast or a show of your own that you do the Emerson hour. Is that with your dad? Yeah. I just recently started doing that with my old man to get it, get to know a bit more about him. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my old man had a pretty long career in politics. He's still somewhat involved member of parliament for a long time. And as a kid, you know, I, I just didn't take much of an interest in what he was up to. To me, his work was something that took him away from spending time with us, I suppose. I'm sure I didn't conceptualize it that way as a 10-year-old, but you know, in reflection, I guess that's what it was. But uh, more recently, I thought you know, it'd be good to get to know him a little bit better and engage him on what he's interested in You know, because we're kind of always wanting to be engaged on what we're interested in and to be asked questions. And I thought, look, I just haven't done enough of that with him to ask him about his life and what he's done and what he's learned. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to do that. That's so nice. Yeah. Cheers, man. Yeah. Do you have kids of your own? Yeah. So that was part of the impetus. We have a five month old. Um, so one kid born earlier in the year. Ah, congratulations. Cheers, man. I've got, uh, yeah, I've got a little, my, my first child was born. Uh, Leo is, he's almost a year and a half now. Really nice. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, probably like it was born in early Jan. I'm guessing maybe a year before yours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 4th of Jan is, is Sebastian's birthday. Hey, right on. Yeah, cool. Leo's is the fifth. Okay. Yep. Solid. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's funny how you start to view things, particularly about your parents once you have your own kids, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you're like, well, I'm just a, I'm just a normal bloke trying to figure things out. And he was the same. So Emp- empathy, it's empathy, right? Yeah, I guess it is. Mm. Is Canberra, where, you know, where you're from is, um, I'm guessing you grew up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Most of the time. We grew up in Brisbane until we moved here when I was nine. Okay. Okay. Um, is Canberra, like, is there, are there a lot of families there who are involved in politics? I mean, maybe a silly question, but is that a huge part of the population there? Yeah, I think so. And my sense is that people are more, you know, they're following what's going on, the kind of soap opera of politics. They're following what's going on and they're interested. And often you can start conversations on that. Uh, with that topic in mind and it, and it goes somewhere. Uh, but like everywhere, the people are plenty disinterested as well. Um, and actually, you know, that was part of the the other part of the desire to 
have some conversations with my old man as I feel like there's change that can be made in politics through politics and people just aren't really interested, especially young people. Um, I think as in, in general, don't really view it as a realm where they can have much of a say. It's like this external thing that they have no control over that affects their lives more or less. And, you know, in the last couple of years, it's affected our lives more, right? Political decisions that have been made. And that was part of it as well. It's like, well, let's have a look at this and um, try to understand a little more, see if there's any positive change that could happen there. Just get interested, you know, get engaged on that front. Yeah, it's, I guess it's, um, it has been something that's, uh, I mean, I'm getting older, so I feel like there's a natural inclination towards an interest in politics somewhat. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you said, there have been some events in recent years that have made us pay attention more. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating one. It's, it's a, I find it a somewhat confusing and a little bit of a disappointing realm at times. Yeah. Um, but the more of an insight that I, that you can gain into it, the, the more you can kind of attach to what's actually happening there. I agree that disappointment's a word that comes to mind for me as well. Uh, and I just want to understand why is that, you know, but we can be disappointed in institutions and political institutions and companies and all sorts of things. And there's people behind everything, right? So it's, for me, it's getting to understand well, what's motivating those people and why aren't things unfolding the way they could and how could things be better? And that always comes back to, we like to put the blame on the institutions, on the big uh, anonymous entities, but it always comes back to people behind it and people struggling through and making mistakes and uh, being embarrassed and ashamed and not really knowing themselves as well as they might and so on and so on. Uh, so that's something I always try to come back to, something I'm always interested in and what's the person behind what's going on? How's that affecting what's going on, right, for all of us? Now, man, can you give me a little background on your, like, tell me, tell me about your gym praxis. Mm-hmm. For folks who are listening, um, you're down in the ACT, which is capital of our country, a few hours south of Sydney, where we are. Um, you've got a killer little gym down there named Praxis. I've never been, but I hear a lot of great things about it. We have mutual friend Marco, who was training with you, from what I understand, and coaching there maybe. But you know, he, he speaks very highly of you and he was, he was hanging out with us for a very long time. I think he's talking about coming back to the gym. We haven't seen him for a bit um, since he crossed the bridge. But you have these mutual friends. I know some of the guys have been coming down doing your coaching courses. Like there's a really nice kind of connection there, but we've never actually crossed paths. Yeah. Can you give me a little background on um, what your sort of day-to-day looks like? You, you've got the gym, you've got the little one, your movement practice, the, the whole sort of spectrum. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, so Praxis, we opened almost five years ago now, four and a half years, something like that. Started off in a smaller space where Marco, Marco happened to be in Canberra at that time. He just moved back and um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good, it was a nice synchronicity. He and I worked together for a little while there at the start when we were opening up and he was running classes and yeah, it was awesome. So we were really disappointed when he left. <laughs> um, so we were there for a couple of years and basically did the most minimal fit out we could manage, just went bare bones, make it functional, don't invest too much, two-year lease. Um, let's see if this is something that has legs and something that we could take beyond or extend the initial lease. I wasn't really sure how it's going to unfold. And then after two years, things were looking good. So we moved into a nicer area, a larger space, twice the size. So we're 200 square meters now when we're 100 square meters back then. Relative to you know some of the warehouse gyms, it's still pretty small, um, but it's in an area where you pay a lot per square meter. So it's big for us. <laughs> it feels big. 
and we've been there for almost three years uh, here in Campbell, which is where I live as well. Campbell's the name of the, the suburb? That's right. Yeah, pretty close to the city. Okay. Yeah, 10 minute walk from the CBD. Um, 30 second walk from my house. So that was by design. We um, moved to be close uh, to the studio and I was close to the original studio. I lived about a five minute walk away because um, a big part of it all for me, man, is what's your life look like? You know, we can have all these visions and ambitions for the future. And um, of course I had that when I started and still have that now, but it's like, what's the day-to-day gonna, gonna be like? And I wanna be able to go to and from the gym, come home, spend time with the family, um, obviously there's work to do always doing work at home, but I don't want to be commuting an hour, an hour each way, which doesn't happen in Canberra anyway, but you know, even 20 minutes each way, 30 minutes each way, you do that a couple of times a day. If you're doing morning and evening classes, it, it adds up. Um, so I spend my time all pretty much in the same place, the same suburb, more or less a I bit like of teaching that. in the morning. Yeah. It's good, man. I like it. Drive, drive the car once or twice a week and mostly spend time on foot. Um, yeah, but it, I teach in the morning, most mornings, teach a class, do a bit of training after that, spend a couple hours in my practice and then get home and get into the running of the business stuff, uh, you know, responding to emails, all the stuff that you got to do behind the scenes and also a fair bit of my coaching. In fact, the majority of the coaching that I do is online as it happens um, with one-on-one, one-on-one work. So essentially online com- coaching, most of the people who are doing that are actually in Canberra. So they're doing classes as well but they're getting programming from me and ongoing feedback and nudges to keep pushing forward and all that sort of stuff. Um, I really like that, that style of less kind of PT. Okay. I'm here to motivate you and um, count your reps for you and all that sort of stuff. I know PTs do a lot more than that, but uh, they get water bottles for their water bottles as well. Yeah. Keep them hydrated, all that sort of stuff. Take photos, blah, blah, blah. But um, here's a plan for the next six weeks. Get after it come back to me and really a a process of genuine learning, you know, education, not just training. Um, So that's, we call that the practitioner program. So that's what I offer. And that's something that I spend a lot of time on each day, just in contact with the students and, and developing material and that sort of thing. And so that's the, those people, they come into the gym as well. So they're, they're proximal to you. Um, you, You could see them face to face, but it's more just like you're supporting them through that online means. And then they have, the face-to-face time at the gym? Yeah, it varies. So some people aren't based in Canberra. We've got a couple who are interstate and a couple of others who are international. Um, so they obviously get a little bit of a different experience. That said, those who are local, it's the same experience in terms of the coaching. So I give feedback on there. They film themselves doing whatever they decide to film themselves doing. I give feedback on that um, using a kind of voiceover process, which is great. The benefit, I think, of that for the student is they get to see themselves moving and what I'm seeing. So you're kind of, and you would have had this experience, I'm sure, working with coaches, they're learning how to see good movement in themselves um, and they're using themselves as the model. So they're kind of coaching themselves. And then that's also a reference to something they can refer back to later rather than if we just have our one session, one-on-one in person, that's done and dusted. And um, maybe you don't see what it is that I'm talking about. With time, what happens is that they'll be filming themselves and reviewing and kind of seeing the things that I'm going to correct and correcting them themselves anyway. So it's a path toward making myself redundant and then really understanding uh, principles of good movement and how to, how to do that themselves. The people who are local, they might do, maybe they'll do half their 
sessions in the in the studio and half their sessions at home or maybe they'll do two or three classes a week and then three or four solo sessions a week so kind of just the structure mix uh, mix it up based on what they're interested in and what they want to get after and their other obligations you know we got single mothers doing the doing the program and then people who are working to be coaches and working as coaches um physiotherapists yogis you know there's a big spread of people that i'm working with so it's pretty flexible what kind of stuff do you do in the gym break that down for me in in classes yeah yeah what sort of what sort of modalities are you guys exploring we've got a i kind of split the material into more preparatory practices movement pra- movement prep i should say where the intention there is let's share material that we feel will be as valuable as possible in as many different domains as possible so if you're going to be you're going to play jujitsu or you're going to uh, be a striker or you're going to play a sport or you just want to be able to play with your kids and not be injured and feel comfortable and feel mobile you like hiking but now you've got bad knees so you can't hike as much as you used to whatever it is that you're into dance blah 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 then we have the strength classes and the mobility classes are intended to help you do those things that you care about um, of course if you just do that preparatory work then you're like the guy who never left the gym and you you're jacked for no reason and you know you you're cultivating a lot of potential but you're never actually expressing the potential and so that's a limited perspective then we have the movement practice classes which intended more to express that potential and learn new movement skills so i was described those classes as feeling and looking more like you're at a dance class or a martial arts class or a sport you're playing sport it's less you know if someone says hey why are we doing this in class today the answer is less well this is a means to some other end and it's more you're here to learn new physical skills express yourself physically and explore that in a more open-minded way whereas the movement prep there should pretty much always be an answer to that to that question if you're there in mobility class why are we doing this stretch it's for this purpose why are we doing this upper body strength movement it's for this purpose uh, and so on and then we have a, a couple of other classes handstand classes which are pretty self-explanatory learning the handstand and that's a bit of both right because there's preparatory work there as well and the skill work too um, and then we have a longevity class which is a bit of a all-rounders class for people who really haven't been moving as much as they might we end up with lots of seniors in those classes um, also because of the time of day they're on at 10 30 in the middle of the day and a postnatal class which we started relatively recently too which has been awesome I like the way you have the, 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 the preparatory classes and then you have the more kind of movement piece. It seems um, from what you just mentioned, like the, it's an easier buy-in for the prep stuff because it's like, oh, gym work, body weight, strength, mobility, maybe some lifting in there, I'm guessing, like stuff that people can attach to. Like, yeah, I've done a bit of fitness before. I can, I can see the crossover. Yep. And then maybe the, the, the second tier or the deeper the, the deeper buy-in is like, all right, let me try this movement thing that looks a little bit weird from the outside, but I'm intrigued. Exactly. That's what you get. And you, you also get a lot of people picking their interests, of course, based on their, their temperament. So you get the people who are a little bit more loosey-goosey in their lives, getting after the movement practice classes from the jump and never doing a strength class. But then maybe they'll find, oh, but when, when, we're doing, when we're working on this floor work or whatever it is, I'm lacking strength or I keep getting injured because I'm not, I'm not aware of what's happening with the position of my scapula, for instance. And that might be the nudge to say, hey, well, you should, maybe you should be getting in on those, some of those upper body strength classes. Um, or I don't have the mobility to move, 
to be moving close to the floor or when we're doing the striking mechanics work, I'm lacking the capacity to relax fully to express myself in the way I might. Let me get off to some mobility classes. So obviously they're intended to complement each other, but you're always going to get the people who do handstand class for three years and then pluck up the courage to get into a movement practice because they're, they're, they become used to and familiar with what they're used to and familiar with. Right. Absolutely. What's your, what's your movement journey been? Like, where did you, well, take me back to the start. I want to know like what you did prior to getting into the movement realm. Um, mm. And then, you know, with the movement piece, where is most of your inspiration from and, and your, your experience come from there? Yeah, sure. So growing up, I played a lot of, a lot of sport um, and did throughout, you know, throughout high school and, and college. First 15 rugby, first 11 cricket, like I was always playing sport and um, started doing standard gym training pretty early on, probably 13, 14. I was in the gym um, getting after it, seeing if I could get bigger, get stronger, you know, all this sort of stuff that young blokes, young blokes do, of course. And then as I went into uni, you know, my early 20s, I had my first kind of proper injury when I was 16. I had a back, a back injury, lower back stress fractures, um, and a hip problem and basically ended up in a position of chronic hip and lower back problems, uh, for, it ended up being seven years on reflection, but of course I didn't know that I was in the middle of that when it was happening. Um, and those issues were getting exacerbated by the training I was doing and weren't really getting addressed by the physiotherapy I was doing or anything else. Um, so I had a shoulder that would constantly dislocate, um, and a hip, a torn labrum bone spur on the on the femur that's all still there that stuff doesn't heal itself but i was in a lot of pain not comfortable and um fortunately my my older brother had come across a couple of teachers he'd found Ida portal's work and also simon Tuckwar, who's uh, local fortunately for us well local he's in australia and uh i came back from spent a, a little bit of time traveling toward the end of my degree as you do came back from an overseas trip and uh, he was doing online coaching with Ida Portal and, he, and this is start of 2015. I'd started doing a bit of hanging and some of the squatting stuff and a bit of Kit Lachlan stretching material on that trip. And it was, I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is seeming to work. I had never done stretching that worked and it was working to some extent. So it's pretty cool. And then I had a clean slate. You know, I wanted to keep doing my gym training when I got back. You know how people, you probably get this, people come in and then on the side, they're also doing this other bodybuilding stuff. And you're like, oh, come on, let's just, you know, let that go. Uh, and he was like, look, man, you got a clean slate, just hook into it. So I just started doing his program for, with him for, for like six months. This was uh, Simon or your brother? Sorry, with my brother, um, who was doing Udo Portal's online coaching. Yeah. So I f- started following that. Then he and I went overseas for a little bit and I started doing, uh, getting online coaching myself, went to my first event, started going to retreats with Simon and like really sinking my teeth into it. Um, the next year I finished my last year of uni, my honors year. And it was like, all right, let's, um, let's see what it's like when, when the practice is a top priority and um, start doing a bit of coaching, a bit more teaching and, and so on. And the process went from there. So um, yeah, from 2015 to now, until last year, I'm training a little bit less now, um, as you know how it can be. I was pretty, pretty dedicated to the practice, you know, six, seven, eight hour days, big days of training, um, wow. doing the online coaching with Edo implementing the stuff I'd been learning from Simon at those retreats. And um, yeah, I mean, I was just, I was just amazed that I could get out of pain uh, where doctors were saying, you're going to have to get surgery and 
um, but the surgery might not fix the pain anyway. You know, you want to understand that stuff to some extent and uh, I couldn't believe how much, it, how much potential there was there and how much I could transform myself. Um, and I was getting into meditation at the same, the same time. So you, you had learned the same lessons on that front. And so that was the impetus to, to start sharing it a bit more, start praxis and say, hey, who, who else is going to be interested in this stuff and who could benefit, who could benefit from it here in Canberra? Um, so that's a bit of a lay of the land from then to now. Do you still do, you still do online coaching with Edo? I haven't been recently. Uh, almost the last 12 months. I just took a break. Um, I had an Achilles injury that was preventing me from doing some a lot of the things that I was interested in learning from them, um, from Edo's team. And you know, I I understood. Okay, this is the this is the approach to strength development, mobility development. I got to a solid level with my handstand work, and so from there, for me, it's kind of like everything else is optional. You know, not the, obviously the handstand work's optional too, but like the strength and mobility, I've got tools. Um, I understand how to cultivate those things, how to build those things. So then it's like, well, maybe I could just get into boxing myself. Maybe I could get into BJJ myself and pursue. If I want to learn a new physical skill, there are people who can teach it to me locally um, and I can apply the movement perspective and some of the tools and understandings that I've developed to those things um, rather than being wedded to someone else's interests. Right, so Ido's online coaching is going to be in part determined by what he's become interested in and what he's engaged in, and of course he's gonna he will justify that from the movement perspective and say, well, you know, we went too far in this direction. Now we got to go in this direction. It's a well-rounded practice, but like I said before, with temperament, everyone's picking things based on what they're. No one's not biased. No one's unbiased, right? Um, so I figured well, I've kind of earned the right to to pick pick interest for myself and if that's going to be in the sphere of movement awesome if it's not no worries um open things out after a long period of discipline that's really cool i think that something i've always felt not always but re, you know in recent years i felt about the, the movement culture and um we're kind of digging into the reads a little bit here for for the less initiated but i you know i think most people can have seen the movement thing who are familiar with what Edo does and whatnot um, he's really dictated largely what the culture is interested in. And, you know, you've got to give him a lot of credit for that because it's brought all this great stuff to the forefront. Um, what, what initially drew me to the culture is sort of not what it's about as much anymore. Like I really liked all the strength stuff. I liked, I liked the prep work, you know, mm. to, to use your kind of framing at the gym there. Um, body weight, strength, handstands, mobility. That's what I'm interested in. I like a bit of the, the exploratory stuff, the improvisational stuff, but really, I, I just like a little bit of that. Like, I like to fuck around with it. You know, so I've always been sort of a bit of a self-confessed, like, I'm not a full movement guy. I just like right. to dip, you know, I like to pick and choose. And, and mm. like you said, we all have our biases. Um, but being that, that original point about him sort of dictating a lot of what people are interested in, it is cool to hear. Well, firstly, it's rare to hear of people within the culture who are not kind of at a loss when he's not giving them something to do mm. um like you know you could you can see from from what people put out there mostly on their social media and stuff they're just doing whatever he's saying is cool right now yeah um and you know and that's fine right we're not all we don't all have to be pioneers or, or have you know great inspiration to try new things necessarily uh but it is cool that you you know that you're like well i got to a point where i sort of 
feel like I had, I, I had reached levels of adequacy that I could then go and do my own thing elsewhere. Yeah. And to your point, it's not, um, it's not a criticism of people who decide to continue on that path. Like if you're, what you're most interested in is developing the most advanced physical skills and abilities, then spending eight hours a day doing the online coaching is not a bad idea. You know what I mean? If that's what you want, but the question is, what do you want? Right. And if I want to have a family who actually gets to see me, you know, and I want to be involved in my son's life as he grows, then that's a different path. And if I want to be teaching in a way where we're developing material together in class and I'm not dogmatic about, well, it's either this way or, or you're wrong, then I need, to be, I need to be drawing from different sources, right? That's where it was really fortunate for me to have encountered Simon so early on because he's, if Ido's dogmatic, <laughs> which, you know, that's the reputation, Simon's like the complete opposite. For Simon, it's like every approach works. That's why the approaches exist. And it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about you must do this number of reps or achieve this level. He's like so open. And so the combination of them both, I think, is, is really powerful of both of those perspectives. It's like, yeah, there are objective standards of whether or not you move well. Like if you just come down to practice and then um, someone else comes in, they've done no physical training and we say, all right, just, just move, you know, just feel the movement. It's like, well, for one, it's, you're not going to learn much from that, from using that approach. And two, someone who's had a practice is going to move better objectively than someone who hasn't. That said, who's defining better? You know, there is this two sides to every coin. So it's, it's, um, it's tricky. It's tricky. I just think what, what I respected and what I've found inspiring about Batty Doe was he said he was the movement guy and he was doing that. You know, he was doing what he said and his life align, clearly aligns along that axis. He's doing what he's saying he's doing. And that's so fucking rare, man. Like how, how many people were saying, yeah, yeah, I'm the movement guy, but actually they're eating shit, you know, that they're not training very much. It's like, well, are you the movement guy or are you, it's fine to be another guy. Just choose the guy that you want to be and be that guy. So that's what it's about for me. Uh, I wanted to try that on for a while. Let me see if I can be the movement guy for a couple of years. And it was pretty cool. Um, it was interesting. It wasn't something I wanted permanently. Um, tell me about your training these days have you yeah. have you have you dived into any boxing or any jiu-jitsu a little bit a little bit i was doing a bit of jiu-jitsu before the um before the pandemic or the lockdowns and and whatnot and stopped <laughs> when that happened and then got into some boxing right afterward and did probably nine months of, of boxing uh boxing lessons and i came to understand a little bit of the mechanics there are things i'd love to do man i just don't have the time you know, it's that simple. And at the moment, the trade-off so clear that if I decide to go to jujitsu class two, two times a week or three times a week, the trade-off for family time or the trade-off for investing more in uh, building out our team here and, and their development, it just doesn't feel justifiable in the way that it used to, it used to feel where I was pretty much willing to trade anything off for my own practice for a few years there. So I've done a little bit, a little bit of dance, a little bit of uh, BJJ, a little bit of boxing, enough to to where if I went to one of those classes now, you'd say, "Oh yeah, he's done a little bit of something. You know, he's he, he'll be able to pick this up pretty quickly." I'm kind of at that level with those with those disciplines. Definitely not at a uh, competitive level or uh, anything beyond that. Yeah. There's a um, 
there's like a like an archetypal kind of dude that's thrown around in jiu-jitsu a lot which is in australia at least in in america they would have their own you know elsewhere in the world but it's the uh it's the dude who it's his first jiu-jitsu class but you didn't know that he that he played like high-grade rugby for 15 years (laughs) and he just comes in and fucking tackles everyone and like (laughs) mauls the higher belts because he understands like basic wrestling um and it's and it's a thing it's a real thing in jiu-jitsu because i don't know I don't know if you got into it enough to realize, but we have a thing where like wrestlers, uh, we kind of hold wrestlers up really high because they're really athletic, really strong, really fit, and generally more so than us. Hmm. Um, and so when we, we might be like quite technical at jujitsu, but when you face that kind of athleticism, you're like, oh my God, like I, I was overwhelmed by the wrestler. So in a sense, like the, the ex-footy player has a bit of that going on. Right. Um, Tell me how it goes the opposite. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go there. Tell me. Um, Because I'm kind of like quite cerebral and, you know, I was interested in the movement practice. So I'd lost my competitive. Ah. So it'd be, oh, that was interesting how you just destroyed me for an entire round. Like I kind of lost that spark that I'd I'd had um, to go, nah, I'm going to win this. So I'm almost too curious and too open to learning in a way. Well, actually, I realized okay, this is a problem. I need to, uh, I need to be more competitive in some of these. Some sometimes when I'm rolling here, because um, I'm too like floppy sometimes. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting. It's an interesting piece. There's definitely like, like you can take, like both approaches work in jujitsu, and you can see it at the highest levels that there's there's the old school thing of like just go really fuck like have the found have the foundation understand the the basic techniques but then apply huge force and aggression and tenacity behind it or there's the hyper technical like person that never really gets out of breath that just plays on a level that's so complex you, you can't even comprehend um yeah it was both, me without the complexity you right. know like without yeah. the skill <laughs> <laughs> i've definitely seen it too from from like movement crew right. when they're you know when they're kind of like oh wow let's talk about what just happened and it's like no, no, no. Like we just got to scrap for a bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I oh, probably wasn't cool. doing it. Like I was doing a couple lessons a week. So I just probably wasn't doing it enough to, um, to really, really progress. So it was, you know, I was learning, but it was more, this is my chance to grapple a couple times a week. than this is my chance to really get good at jujitsu. You know what I mean? Um, so it was more kind of play for me. Like, awesome. I'm going to spend an hour where I'm not the one teaching, you know, just get to focus on the skills and feel that, you know, body, body contact, which is awesome and something we all need and crave for sure. Um, I think that stuff's foundational. Like I said, okay, strength, mobility, work foundational, like the fighting, dancing, that stuff's foundational too, just in a different way. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it'd be something, it's something I'd love to do and I think people should do. Um, yeah, we'll see. Tell me about, how you see your your athletic development like the time playing rugby and obviously you've mentioned the injuries that came along with that or potentially from the cricket as well mm. um but how significant was it to your development now having gone through all of that kind of team sport and and stuff that you know like you could say oh well rugby was fucked like it, it you know messed my hip up and whatever but you know on the whole how do you how do you look back at all that yeah, it's such a good, uh, well, it's a question, but it's also a good point that you're making, which is we forget the things we've done that have given us the skills and the base we've got. 
especially in a teaching context. You know, I noticed that when we started playing around with ball skills in class, like just throwing tennis balls and that sort of thing, it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm good at this stuff just because I played cricket. That's a skill set I've got. I didn't realize I had. And same with um, when we introduced a little bit of contact in the classes, like being used to contact from rugby, knowing how to take contact and knowing when to relax as well. That sort of thing. Like you got all these skills that you don't realize you have. Same with the same with working on a team, um, really giving yourself to the team, wanting what the team needs more than what you might feel like you need. In fact, like your needs being absorbed by the by the team. Um, so there's a lot there. I, you know, when I started doing the uh, getting into the movement stuff, I was like, oh, I wish I'd done gymnastics, and I wish I'd done dance, and I wish I'd done the stuff that these people are doing. But you know, maybe there's something missing in that culture because people didn't play enough team sports you know, the people who get into that. I think the the movement culture is partly there for people who didn't do that much physically growing up um, or, you know, didn't play those sports. You do get the people like me who played them and got injured. And there's a lot of that uh, injured people getting into movement culture, getting into the movement perspective. Um, but there's also just another, another avenue for people who aren't physical already, who don't have a physical, you know, aren't engaged with their physical existence already. Um, so you know, would I encourage my son to play team sport? Yeah, probably. Would I encourage maybe a little bit of gymnastics or something like that on the side, a bit of solo development, some martial arts, which I never did? Yeah, you know, probably. But more than all of that, you just want to, you just want people to be engaged in what they're doing, right? So ultimately, it's whether you're a well-rounded athlete or not, it's like, I don't know how much it matters. How much is that getting in the way of having an engaged, meaningful existence? You know, that's kind of the question at the end of the day. And um, yeah, maybe if you never play team sports, that is getting in the way. You are getting in your own way because you don't have that background. Or uh, if you're lacking mobility, you're lacking strength, you can't express who you, who you could be. But you know, it's remembering that that's at the root of it, at least for me, uh, which was part of the reason for the shift away from, you know, I remember going, I've been to a couple of the movement camps in Thailand, the week-long event, it's pretty intense, awesome events, you know, and you want to get together with people who are passionate about something and exchanging on it and hooking in and like, that's super inspiring. But the first one I went to, I was like, oh, I'm not one of these people, you know, this is not, I respect these people. I want to be connected with these people. I'm, I actually admire these people and I'm inspired by them, but like, I'm not just a movement. I don't want to say just, you know, I'm not a movement guy. Um, something different and I'm not sure what that is. That's an open question. What, what made you feel that way? I wanted to have different conversations over, over lunch, over dinner, than just about the training, you know? Um, I guess what I get ex- excited about is, and movement can be great on this front, is when someone's so convinced they can't do something, and then they learn how to do it or they get over that initial fear of like, yeah, but if I go down the jungle brothers, they're all in shape and they're all good looking. And like, I've seen their Instagram and they're all strong already. And I'm, I'm overweight and I'm, I never played sports and I'm, they've got this, this whole story going on. And then they come down and they're welcomed instead of being shamed for not being able to do anything. And then they discover six months in, holy shit, I'm getting, I'm one of these people. That shift in people's self-conception, that's what inspires me. That's what I get excited by. And I think the reason that I stopped, that I didn't want to be 
a kind of follower in that culture to the same extent as others seem to be satisfied with was it looked to me like that's leading to stagnation in someone's self-conception, not a continual evolution, right? It was like, if you want to be lucky Doe, you can't be one of his students because his whole thing was taking from different disciplines and going beyond and outside. Whereas the culture, like you said, is a bit more, it's insulated. It's staying inside to some extent and it's evolving. Look, this could be different because I haven't been to an event in the last couple of years and I'm not as connected. So things might be different. I don't know, but this was my experience was I want to be around people who are opening out and transforming themselves. And I want my, my conception of myself to be transforming and adapting to changes in circumstances like a pandemic, like having a child and so on. That's a really cool response. I, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that response. I think I had a great time. I went to two movement camps, loved them, you know, frothed out on it, but sort of what, what you're saying sort of resonates with me because it, it, when you're, when you're in that, and that's really an event like that is kind of like the, I don't know, it's kind of like the pinnacle of, or, or, or it's almost like the, the greatest or richest uh, expression of the culture yeah. and compress with all these people in one area for the whole week, you know, the, the, and it's all about the culture. Um, there's, yeah, yeah, there's, there's like when you go that deep into something, you move away from other things. Mm. And, and I, I, I can speak to that these days that I'm, I'm much less connected to it. And I think that that was sort of by choice where I'm like, oh, there's all this other great stuff. Um, and yeah, and it, it, it's, you know, whatever. If you choose to go down that path, you have to put blinders on to certain other things or maybe turn your back on other things to a degree. Definitely, man. And de- definitely. And back to what I was saying earlier is, what I find inspiring is people who choose what they want to do and choose how they want to be and align their lives around that. Right. That's what I found inspiring about Edo. Um, so it's, it's just making that choice again. Like I noticed, for instance, if I was training as much as I used to, if I was putting that much time into my practice, then when I was teaching, I wasn't, I wasn't cracking jokes and taking a moment to tell a funny story and, you know, checking in with people and connecting as much as I might have because I didn't have the energy for it. Or maybe our classes became more or less accessible than accessible than they could have been uh, because of the material we're working on. Where I was saying to myself, well, I just want to help people wherever they're at. So if you just want to help people wherever they're at, you need to reorganize your life so that you're actually doing that. At least that's the way I view it. Uh, and if I wanted to have meaningful connection with people as much of the time through the day as possible, then I can't spend the whole time training and have no energy left for those serendipitous conversations after, you know, after class this morning, I'm chatting with 45 for 45 minutes with a couple of students where two, three years ago would have been like, I got to train, you know, we don't have time for that conversation. Maybe that's the most meaningful conversation I've had with those people, you know? So there are trade-offs you make in trade-offs and for me, it's about being, del- it's about being deliberate about the trade-offs you make and making the trade-offs you want to make, not an illusion of never making them. Right. It makes me think of a uh, conversation I had with a guy. Um, his name's Pete. He used to run a, uh, like a, he's like the original paleo guy here mm-hmm. in Sydney. And he used to run this sort of cafe that was like, like the, the paleo thing, but he didn't call it that, but it was like, he brought in all this chemical free produce. He gave out free DVDs on like conspiracy theories, like 
you know, fluoride and electric car things. Um, but he, all of his food was like grain free, you know, uh, only used animal fats. It was, it was amazing, right? Amazing food, but a really like, not everyone that met him liked him because he had very, you know, very hard views and was not at all backwards in being forwards. Um, but his, his cafe was next for, for a period of time was next to a CrossFit gym. Mm. And I used to know the crew at the CrossFit gym. I actually trained there for a little bit during a period, but I remember talking with Pete one day and, and he was like, I just don't get it, man. I don't get this CrossFit thing. He's like, you got all these people. They look amazing. They got six packs, big muscles. And he's like, and I see him at the end of the session and they're lying on the pavement, sucking in air because they've just destroyed themselves. And he's like, you're trying to look that way because you want to have sex, but you're too tired from all the training that you can't actually have sex. I don't get it. What's it about? He's like, why don't you just go and have sex? Like he was, you know, and I'm like, Pete, I kind of see your rationale there. Like it's, um, yeah, there's, there's like a, like we're all doing it for this thing, but then this thing can detract from your ability to enjoy the actual thing, which is the life that you're in 24 right. seven. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what came back to uh, coming back to something I said earlier on. When you're thinking about opening a gym, you're going to, how you're running your business. It's like, what's my life going to look like? You know, it's just asking that question. And what do I want it to look like? And moving toward those things, the, the moments where you're like, man, I just feel so engaged in this moment. Like if I'm chatting with you on the, on the pod and where, you know, I don't know, we're 45 minutes in or whatever. And I'm like, Oh God, what, what's next? Like I'm thinking about the next thing, then that's a sign I shouldn't do podcasts. <laughs> you know, this would be the last one, right? I could if just you, be a boring dude. Yeah. It could be your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I need to make it more specific. <laughs> don't do podcasts with Joey. That's right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lesson there regardless, but if I'm engaged and I'm enjoying it and I'm not looking at the clock and I'm like, I'm not thinking about anything else except what we're doing now, then that's a sign. Maybe I should be having more of these conversations. And so I, I think observing yourself and asking those questions and noticing when do I feel the most stoked? When do I feel the most engaged? What's the most meaningful stuff I'm doing each day? How can I do a bit more of that and a bit less of the stuff that I just want to get over and get through, you know? And it's not just, not just following your bliss. Cause like someone's going to take the rubbish out. So, you know, uphold your responsibilities as well, right? Like be a good, be a good person, do what's got to get done. But things shift and you shift and your interests shift. And there was a time for me where training every moment of the day was the most engaging, exciting thing. And that time's not now, you know, but training zero moments of the day is also not now. It's just recalibrating and adjusting the ratios along the way and living the life you want to lead, right? I like that. Yeah, I really like that. I um something that, Something that we observed, and I say we, this was Paul, T, and myself, like the, my two best mates. We own the you know, Jungle Brothers together. Um, I probably dipped my feet in the deepest into the movement realm. And so I was you know, sort of bringing a bit of that culture back. And the boys also did you know, very much in their own way, but just probably less Edo-centric with what they did. Um, but something that we observed that, that was always kind of... I don't know. It just always seemed a bit kind of silly about the, 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 the culture, which, you know, and I, I don't even need to talk about all the good things that came from it because I, I kind of, I do that all the time. Like our business is, you know, built on it, but um, the training prescription could be so high that it would force you to be isolated by yourself in a gym for hours upon hours in a day. And it's like, sometimes the uh, like, this is where something like team sports are really nice. Like it brings you into a group, right? It's a, it's a social thing. Um, 
yeah, the movement culture is great. We get together, we have friends. I got some friends who do movement. When they're in town, we get together, we all do handstands, whatever, like jam out. But the reality is day to day, most of us are kind of, it's, it's a bit of an insular existence, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being alone, training alone. But I, it was always a thing that I thought, and it's strange, like also too, because the training volume was so high that you would be spending so much time by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And look, that's, that's one of the things I wouldn't trade for anything was that time alone, just with yourself struggling, you know, and noticing how do I, just the awareness though, like noticing how, how do I respond when I'm struggling with a session and making the decision in every moment, what kind of person am I going to be? I'm going to be the person who keeps pushing through, or am I going to be the person who gets frustrated and gives up on the thing? Or am I going to be, you know, for me, the, 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 the physical practice always has to, yes, it's serving the, your physical development, but it has to serve something else as well. And that's how I kind of reframed it for myself was this is a lot of, it's not meditation, but it's learning about myself through the, through the practice. Um, and I really valued that. But to be doing that right now just wouldn't make sense. And maybe for me, it was more doable because, you know, it's two, two and a half years, I already was opening a facility. So I had people around, I had people I was sharing with, I had people I was moving with. Um, there were other influences already from the beginning, like I mentioned with Simon. So it wasn't too insular for me. I could see someone doing the amount of training I'd done actually just alone, you know, not being a part of a community, not ever doing any teaching, not any sharing. And yeah, it'd be a, a strange existence, you know, but each to their own. If you're stoked on it, I think that's what matters, man. If you're excited about it, it's just easy to forget. It's easy to lose track of whether or not you're excited about something. Like to the CrossFit example, I, f- I feel like people do CrossFit for one or two years and it's like the best thing in the world. And then they keep doing it and then they forget. Like they're, they're still riding on this, kind of chasing the dragon. Like they're like, yeah, but when I started, CrossFit was the best and it's still the best. But actually they've changed and now they're injured and they're like, yeah, but CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. Same with diet. Someone goes vegan and you feel great for a month or two or maybe a year or two. And then you just keep going, yeah, but I feel great. I feel great. It's like, you felt great. <laughs> you got to recalibrate as you're changing and the world's changing around you. It's a great point. That podcast from home life ain't all it's cracked up to be, bro. <laughs> Delivery guys knocking on my garage. I'm in my yeah. garage right now. And I got a dude <laughs> dropping off like a, a sofa bed. Yeah, if you hear what sounds like a nursery rhyme tune in the background, that's my doorbell. So we didn't choose the sound. <laughs> we're expecting a delivery too. That's mad. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I travel these days. Uh, we moved house uh, when, uh, I don't know, late last year. And uh, I travel now between 35 to 55 minutes to and from work. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. And in the afternoon, it's, it's more like an hour because of traffic. And I'm like, oh, this fucking sucks. But, you know, just what you said about like intentionally living where you do, making it close to the gym. I don't need to spend as much time at the gym these days, thankfully. Right. But I'm like, oh, that speaks to me. That would be real nice to be able to walk to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you chuck a podcast in or what do you? Oh, absolutely. Like, um, yeah. you know, yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a dead time. Not at all, you know, but, but, you know, there's a case for a bit of dead time would probably be good sometimes as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's more just when you're sitting in the car and you're like, I could be at home or I could be doing some work or, you know, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good gig. If you're like at, if I'm at home and I'm like, oh, but I could be at, I could be at the gym. Then I could be at the gym. 
<laughs> and be at the gym at the time that I'm thinking that. <laughs> Tell me about the the transition that that you've gone through from being the movement guy, the practitioner, to being the gym owner. Um, we talk. Quite, I, I like to. I, I told you that you know I was interested in that because I I feel like it's actually really hard to run a gym, and it's and I think it's 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 hard unless you sort of give yourself to it and you go okay well i gotta learn how to do this and i gotta make this my focus um small business is tough no matter kind of what your approach or what you're doing um talk to me about like some of the the sticking points for you when you were going from tom the movement guy to becoming the the, the owner and, and, and operator of praxis mm. yeah look for the first couple years like when we had that initial lease in that smaller space I was always like not thinking of myself as a business person. I don't run a business. I just, I wanted to do something that allowed me to keep training the man I was and to share a bit of what I was up to, you know, and the, my life at that time, like I didn't have anyone relying on me financially. Um, expenses were low. The space was cheap, cheap to rent, pretty cheap. So expenses there were low and I just kind of, was like, well, how long can I get away with having this thing that's not really a business where I'm not really running a business, but that's serving me and my life and these other people's lives. Um, and then it was after that first couple of years when we signed the, the second lease, moved into a larger space, sunk a lot more money into the fit out and all that sort of stuff where I said, okay, now I'm going to have to like run the business, you know? And I wasn't, I'm a pretty, uh, I'm like, I'm a pretty detail oriented person. I'm pretty meticulous. So the little things of running the business weren't hard for me. And I kind of like that. I like systems, you know, um, if you don't, I reckon running a business might be a bad idea because like there's a lot of systems you've got to get your head around and you want to, you want to be setting them up. Um, and just, I've always kind of tried to do things as simply as possible because there's a million things you can do running a, running a business. That's why it can be exhausting, right? Cause even you're spending time with your family, you know, yeah, but I could do, I could do something. There's always a job for you if you run the business even if all the work's done there's more work that you could make up for yourself there's more that you could be trying um so a strategy i've had from the beginning is to pick projects like you know didn't really do any target marketing in the first couple of years and then i said okay let's let's take marketing seriously for six months and see what that's like you know or we just had marco did a little bit of work for us we had casual teachers and i was like well what if you tried to really build a team and what if I took on the role of not just being a, hopefully a good teacher and a practitioner, but also a good boss, you know, and a good leader on that front who's trying to cultivate other people and sink my teeth into that, into that project while the finances and these other things you've already set up, are kind of running along in the background. Cause if you're just trying to do everything all at once from the start, it's going to be, it's going to be a shit show. And also for me, I always feel like if, if what I'm doing now feels exactly like what I was doing a year ago, then that's a problem too. So drawing in extra pro new projects, not extra projects, but just new, new projects along the way. And at some point we'll really do a good job of the website, but now's not the time. We'll sink our teeth into that project when the time's right. Um, or, you know, you, you mentioned some of the teacher training stuff we've been doing recently. That's something that's been on my mind for a couple of years, but now we're thinking, okay, let's, let's make a real project out of that. Um, hosting workshops. We never did that in the first couple of years. And then now it's something that we're doing frequently. Um, so I did have to make a shift for me, the toward accepting, okay, I do run a business and I want to do a good job of it. 
but again, that's always nested. It's like the practice that's nested in a broader conception of like, you know, for me, the business is something that the business gives me the life that I want and gives the people that I'm working with, you know, my colleagues, hopefully the life that they want and the students, the lives that they want directly rather than the business gives me money that gives me the life I want. You see what I mean? And so when that trade-off's there and it's obvious, if you're looking for it, like I'm about to exchange the life I want for more money in the hope that that'll give me the life I want, then I try to always choose the life I want directly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so maybe I should be teaching two classes every morning instead of one. But maybe if I was teaching, and that would be a better business decision. And I'm sure it would be. But maybe if I was teaching two classes, I'd be just getting through the classes, you know, and I wouldn't be stoked for every class like I am if I teach one. And the people who were coming along wouldn't get the attention that they get otherwise. And maybe I wouldn't have the time for my practice. And that would put pressure on my family and all these other ripple effects that would come about as a consequence of making a wise business move, <laughs> you know? So um, I'm trying to get away with that, basically. For how long can I get away with making less wise business moves <laughs> or what might seem like less wise business moves in the name of having, having the project be an awesome project and me being stoked about it and stoked to show up at work. And when I'm done work, I feel better than when I started rather than worse. And, and, and everyone has that engagement, that experience of, of practice, hopefully, you know, that's what I'm aiming at. That's very cool. Uh, that's, it's a very thoughtful approach to, to how you set your business up, which I would, you know, I can look back and think, oh, fuck yeah, I did, I, I, there's a lot of things with, that I've done in business that just didn't have very much more driven towards like self-sacrifice in order to achieve an end, hmm. you know? And, and, you know, there's good things that come about from that too, but uh, I do agree that if you're doing this thing every day and you're doing it for the long term, then really in your best interest to try and enjoy it that's it man and i don't mean like my life's just great and easy breezy it's like you know if someone's sick i'm covering the class probably um although we've got another tom tom short who's always up for covering a class so he's a legend but you know second tom the second oh, one of many toms okay <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's a tom uh, tom center um free membership if you're tom but so it's not about not working hard it's not that it's just like I mean, you know this, you, you, you have a goal, probably you open your, your, your gym for the first time and your goal is just, mate, let's make this survive. <laughs> like, let's break even, you know, can we, actually, can we actually do this? And then you achieve that goal and it's like, oh, maybe we could make profit or maybe we could grow the membership to 200 or maybe we could, there's always a next thing. There's always a next thing. So, <laughs> so you're going to enjoy the things. Like, I kind of think of it this way. I always feel like now might be the golden days you know, where I'll look back and be like, oh, those were the good times. So I try to feel that way all the time. Like, oh, I'm in the good times now that I'm <laughs> going to look back on. And I'm trying to replace these with better times, but still it's like, enjoy the good times because you're going to look back on this time and wish you had it over again. You know, wish you could do that again uh, and not get sucked into that. The next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I am always doing the next thing. Like I'm an ambitious person and I always do want to be doing that. But not packing the schedule so tight that you're not actually there for any of it. You know, I'm in the middle of the podcast trying to get this done because right after this, there's something else I got to get done. And right after that, something else I got to get done and I'm getting it done and I'm getting it done and getting it done, but I'm never actually here. 
you know, present in the thing. Yeah. I think the, the point you made about it's, it's not, it's not like it's not all um, sunshine and rainbows, but it's, it's about prioritizing energy so that you can give yourself to the things that you're doing and you can do them well. Yeah. And you don't, know, to your point, you can in, try, you can enjoy them or at least give yourself the best opportunity to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Not wishing it away. Can't wait till this is over so I can get on to the next thing. You know? Yeah. We used to, um, I used to say that to, to T and Paul, we would be like all down on the gym floor. We would all be like someone else would be coaching. Like, you know, this might've just been a couple of years ago before T moved up to the, to the North of the state. Um, but there'd be some, you know, we'd have a coach running the classes, but then I'd be doing, I'd be training with my small group T to have his crew. They're doing some handstands. Paul would be doing some PT and, you know, we'd be like throwing jokes around the gym and everything, you know, people having a laugh and a bit of banter. And I'd say like, these are the golden years right now. Like we're going to look back and be like, fuck, that was so cool. And you know, whatever we were just doing the thing. It wasn't a hugely profound experience at the time, mm. but now that T's gone, now that Paul's running the gym, I don't, I'm no longer involved in the management of the gym. I'm not there as much. We're all like, holy shit. They really were the golden years. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like, I mean, we know this with gratitude practices in general. It's just like your orientation toward the thing. Man, things are pretty good now. Things are pretty good now. And it's not a like, go easy, man. Things are good. You know, you're all sweet. It's like, still be ambitious, still push forward. Let's see what's possible. That's what I'm excited about. And I'm sure you're the same. Um, that's why you're not still just in the, in the weeds running the gym. It's like, I've done that. I know what that's like. What else? What are other things like? Let me sink my teeth into those things. Uh, but yeah, just being there for it. Like it's so easy to, it's just so easy to let your life run you run past, you know. So you get this with a with a little boy, you know. I'm walking through the neighborhood. I've got I do a couple hours a day, he's in the carrier and walking around because that's he sleeps like shit, but he sleeps well in that. And every particularly old ladies, it's, they really love doing this. But almost everyone who's got kids who are grown, they'll come up to you and they say, This is the best time. Like don't, don't wish it goes so quick, you know, don't wish it away. And like, that's what old timers say about everything. Right. So yeah. you can just go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they all say. Or what if you actually took that seriously and you're like, man, okay, is maybe this is the best time. And maybe if I'm not paying attention and I just want him to be crawling and I just want him to be talking and then I'm excited for him to go to school and then I want, I'm going to miss out on all this stuff. And I'll be another, of those people 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, oh, don't, don't wish this time away. It goes so quick. And then someone's <laughs> ignoring me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's like, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. I just try not to wish it away. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your gratitude practice. And uh, let me, let me give you two parts to this question. That's the first part. Um, because it's, it, it's, it's obvious that it's something that you're very interested in. I like, I like the way you speak of it. But here's the second part of the question is, is it possible to truly enjoy each of these moments to the fullest in the present moment? Or unfortunately, are we always going to look back and think, oh, fuck, I should have, I should have taken that advice on board. I should have, you know, I should have appreciated those moments more at the time. I don't know, man. I think we'll probably always look back and, you know, hopefully looking back on every moment fondly. You're like, yeah, I could do that again. Um, that should be the goal, right? You've lived a good life and everything you look back on, you're like, yeah, that was pretty solid. I'd love to do that again. I'd love to do that. Friedrich Nietzsche, philosopher's got this idea of the eternal recurrence. So it's like live every moment as if it were going to repeat itself for eternity. And so I don't want to be miserable and closed and 
regretful and fearful because maybe that's my life from this moment forward. And like your life does unfold that way. Hey, is you're practicing whether you know it or not. And if I'm practicing openness and alertness and being engaged, and then that does unfold more and more and more in any case, it's not that I'm enjoying every moment, you know, it's just like, it's more catching myself when I'm not and just, just checking myself a little bit like, and I, don't, I wouldn't say I have a specific gratitude practice where I sit down and journal all the things I'm grateful for. But it's like just noticing when you're not grateful for something or noticing when you're feeling a bit sorry for yourself and noticing when it feels like a grind and just being like, look, in, in the scheme of things, this is a pretty sweet situation. And in terms of the present, being present, for me, it's like when I'm with someone else, when I'm with other people, that's where there's a real... Uh, real prior that's it becomes a real real priority for me and i don't always nail it for sure you know i'm absent when i should be present but like if you're here for me then i'm going to be here for you and maybe i'm here for you but you're on your phone but fuck it i'm still going to be present for you because that's magic man that's magical and that's the stuff that matters really um everything else i don't know like it sounds so woo woo and i hate hearing myself talk like that you know because I'm a down to earth person and I like to get after it and like to have goals and all that sort of stuff. But like nothing beats, nothing beats fully, fully being present for someone else and then fully being there for you. And if it's chucking jokes around the gym, perfect. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Or if it's, you had a rough week, I'm here for you. We can chat about it. That's perfect too. You know um, it's, it's, it's just getting the richness out of all the experiences that you can get. Uh, definitely not nailing it, but that's what I aim for. That's very cool. It doesn't sound woo-woo at all, to be honest. I mean, right, you know, <laughs> yeah, like the, you know, it's, it's quite pragmatic the way you, the way you describe it. Um, you, you don't have a regular practice that you do. Uh, like, is there a meditation piece that you do? I meditate. I mean, meditate daily yep. um, in the mornings, just as a kind of, just sit in silence, notice what's running through my mind, try to create some space and, make it a bit of a touchstone for the rest of the day. Like that's how I think about meditation is it's not about being enlightened for the 15 minutes I'm sitting there and being in bliss for the 15 minutes I'm sitting there. It's just about reminding myself to be aware. And then definitely my experience with meditation, I hope this continues has been it starts with that. You're a little bit aware during the meditation practice itself. And maybe you sit there for 15 minutes and you've got about one minute of actual present state awareness where you're not chasing your thoughts down the rabbit hole. You're actually there, but then that becomes two minutes within the practice. And then it becomes, Oh, there's another moment in the day where I noticed myself, you know, where I was fully aware and fully present. And then the, the day starts to, to, you start to have more moments of present state awareness throughout the day. And then the ambitions like, can I have that in every moment? Um, that's kind of how I view meditation practice. And it's just a reminder to start the day with like, Hey, this is your ambition for today. Can you be a bit more like this throughout the day? And then next morning, fuck, I didn't do, I didn't manage it yesterday. All right, maybe today. Can I be a bit more present, a bit more aware of what's going on uh, and a bit more engaged in what's going on throughout the day? That's what meditation practice is like for me. That's what it's about for me. It's not even something I like doing, to be honest, you know, there's something I make myself do because I know if I don't do it for a week, then I start 
just feeling busy and everything's bleeding into the thing after it and you're just losing that you losing the magic of of day-to-day life how long do you sit there for 15 minutes 15 minutes in the morning i'll do like a i'll do a 15 to 30 minute um relaxation practice most afternoons which is body scan yoga nidra type thing body scan contrasting tension and relaxation that sort of thing i need that more on longer days um, if i'm teaching into the evening but yeah that's that's what it looks like and like i said then trying to be trying to check in throughout the day am i here am i present yeah talk to me about the you kind of touched on this earlier in the chat but i just wanted to ask specifically um the making movement accessible to regular people and and when I say regular people, it's it's people like us, but just those that haven't had the same experience in the movement culture. They, you know, they see that you have a gym. They're looking for a fitness solution. They want to get in better shape. They're, it looks like this place knows how to do that. Um, have you got those people like bouncing the tennis ball against the wall on session one, or are you kind of drip feeding them a little bit of stuff that 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 you know that that's going to change their perspectives over time? while also introducing them with things that are more accessible. How do you, how do you manage that? Mm. Yeah, that's the, that's the challenge. I think is the way I view it is the movement perspective, which is we're going to use the tools that help you move more freely, right? We're going to use whichever tools give you a better physical experience than what you're having now. And if that's Olympic weightlifting, if that's gymnastic strength training, if that's handstand practice coming from a circus background, if that's martial arts, we'll use it, right? We'll use those tools. To me, if no one had a sense of training, like if there wasn't already a fitness culture, that perspective makes complete sense. <laughs> but we're kind of trapped in this other thing of, I want to look a certain way. Uh, people want to look a certain way because they want to feel a certain way, right? I mean, you probably know this. Someone who really thinks that they're attractive and, and carries themselves like they're physically attractive, they're more physically attractive because of that. Like it's so, you know, if someone's really feeling themselves, you feel like, yeah, there's something there. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I think at the root, a lot, a lot of what we want is actually that. I want to look competent. I, lo- I want to look like I could win a fight if I got in one. Well, what if you could just win a fight? You'd probably look that way anyway, right? <laughs> I want to look like I could lift heavy things. I want to look like I'm not overweight. Um, just do those things that you actually care about. It's like getting to the root of the things. So a lot of the work and this is the point I'm trying to get to is, just stripping away all the shit that's already there, you know? And that starts with asking questions. Like if you come in, hey, what have you done before? What's your background? What, what sorts of practices have you done? I did a bit of yoga, but I really liked it. It made me feel, but I never really got more flexible. It's like, all right, this person wants to get a bit more flexible. Why'd you come? What'd you see about practice? Why'd it, why'd it make you come? You know, just connecting and trying to say, okay, what's this person after? And then taking the time to, I used to be way more, Either you, it's my way or the highway. Like either you're into it or you're not. If you're not, fuck off. I just want to work with the people who want to get after it and accept me, <laughs> accept my perspective. Now I'm way more open to let me create that that bridge from where you are to where where you could be. Got soft. Got soft, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you know, you kind of help them articulate their needs through what they think of their wants what they describe as their wants now. I want to lose weight. Okay. You want to lose weight. You probably feel like your weight's getting in the way of living the life you want to lead. Really, you just want to live the life you want to lead. 
oh, it's making you less attractive because you don't feel confident in yourself physically. Really, you just want physical confidence. Okay, we can give you that. So strip all that shit away and then just start working at it um, and give principles. You know, okay, we're doing upper body work. If you can understand how your scapula functions, you understand upper body strength work, basically. So let's work on that and give you that understanding and build, build, build you up from there. And then you just got to, and I'm sure you do this a lot in, in life in general, just kind of observe and go, is this landing for this person? Um, if it's not, let's have a little chat and see how I can connect a little bit more. Um, yep, you came to the movement practice class. We're doing some pretty weird shit. It's your first class. You didn't know what you were getting into and just go up afterwards and, you know, yeah, so that's some pretty weird shit. <laughs> just have a candid conversation. Not like either you like this or you don't, but maybe you should try out a strength class. It's going to be a bit more obvious to you why we're doing squats than <laughs> why we're bouncing down the room with a tennis ball. Um, you know, it's just, it's come back to being present. Hey, just being there. I don't think we have a system for it. I don't know if you can have a system other than asking questions and genuinely listening. And if you come in and you said, man, I've got this back problem and it's just been bothering me. If I can connect what we're working on in class to your problem, we're doing some spinal, some spinal waves. And I can say, Joe, you mentioned that back problem. This stuff will, can change your life. If you practice it enough, you could, you could hear yourself with these spinal waves and we're just teaching and it's part of it. And it's like, just like connecting them to the, to the project, to the material and making them feel welcome. I think is, is a huge part of that because I think of a lot of what I have to do, have to do what I choose to do running the gym is a reassurance people are so afraid man so afraid to try something new and to fail to to be embarrassed to you know and you get to think yourself like you go into something brand new you've done you've got no experience yeah okay it's frightening but if the people around you are there to lift you up not push you back down that can be such a shift for someone you don't know if that's that might be the only thing in their life where the people around them are like yeah we reckon you can get stronger we reckon you can do it we actually believe in you and we don't care that you can't do it yet. Um, we're here for you and, and we're here to see what you could do if you hooked into it and kept showing up. Like, what more could you want, man? That's the shit. That's the best. You get a whole group of people doing that for, for complete strangers. It's like, it's beautiful. I'm, I've got soft. <laughs> In a good way. Absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully. I, yeah, I, I, I did the same thing mm. when I was... Um, you know, I became very uh, strict and was like, no, this is how it has to be. And this is, this is the movement thing. And if you're not interested in this, you know, you suck. Like, right, right. you know, if you can't see why this is so important, then there's something wrong with you. And then, you know, I look at where I'm at with it now and it's, it's, it's a very different approach and I'm very much more accepting of what, you know, hey, you want to do a bit of that? Yeah, you can do a bit of that. That's cool. Like, hey, Wayne, try a little bit of this and just, just a more rounded view of the whole thing mm. um i think we've you know we've always in the same way that you described our gym's always been extremely welcoming but you know if i look specifically at the programming in those earlier days the programming was not particularly welcoming right you know um yeah that's that's it's it's nice to hear because i do think that we it's so hard for us to get out of our own dogmas and yeah. in the gym environment where people are already coming in most of them or at least a, a significant portion of them are already pretty concerned, like pretty stressed about being there right. in amongst all these beasts that they see, which 
you would you would experience this when someone looks at your gym they don't see the full spectrum of people that are in the room right they see you with your top off and you're jacked and then they see that girl and she looks jacked and they're like everyone here is jacked right yeah and you're like no they're not at all but that's but it's what stands out to us so i i I always sort of yeah we're, we're always often thinking about like how do we how do we kind of destroy those stereotypes and make what it is that we're we're obviously passionate about peddling to to, to the masses right. how do we make it accessible for them and 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 present it in a way where you know they can actually avail it to themselves right yeah and that can be you know it's not like i don't want you to feel any discomfort on day one but it can just be explaining i do that quite often this is gonna be hard what we're about to do is going to be hard yeah or you're going to get sore in this part of your body you're going to get sore quads while we do this squat stuff or whatever I just feel like flagging people's experience, like acknowledging they're having an experience uh, can make a big difference. It's like you want to be seen by the people that you're, that you're working with. And if it's like, oh yeah, this guy's here for me and maybe he can help me. And um, he reached out because he hadn't seen me in a couple of weeks where he noticed I came back after a break and he's like, hey, where, where have you been, man? It's good to see you. Good to have you back. Uh, those, little in, those little moments can make, can make a big difference. And it's not because it's good for business. It's because like, I mean, I do care. You do want to care about is this person showing up or not? Um, yeah, that's that's the promise you make to them, right? When they when they sign up, you're like, I, I'm, I want this more than you want this. Exactly, exactly. And it's not about me. It's not about me. That's what that perspective is saying. The initial perspective of, oh, we do it this way, and if you can't, you'll figure it out because I figured it out. Like you'll have to figure it out the hard way because that's what I did. And all that. It's about you. If you if you're operating that way everyone's got to be like hard like me and they're going to learn the way I did. And it's not about the person who's in front of you. And if you, and you can, like we said at the beginning, you can, you can carry yourself that way and it's no worries. You know, you're going to end up with a bunch of people who are really trying to be like you. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what you want. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly. Right. We don't really know, but something feels better if you, if you're trying to really orient toward the person who's in front of you. And um, take them a step forward. They came because they want something, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. They came because they're they want to move forward in a positive direction. And I mean, I just think more broadly: what if everywhere you went, people wanted you to move forward in a positive direction as well? What if we all wanted that for each other? We woo again, maybe. But it's like that'd be pretty cool. Wouldn't it be cool, dude? Wouldn't it be cool? Like, so you can have your little microcosm of we got our few hundred people who are engaged with us and people dropping in and out and someone comes and tries it. And like, well, in my little part of the world, that's how it feels. That's the selfish side actually coming back to living the life you want. You know, for me, that was a big part of starting Praxis was I want to be surrounded by people who feel that way and uh, want that for each other. And I know I want it for myself and I know I want it for other people to feel like you're moving forward in a positive direction. So let's see if you can, let's see if we can set up a, a gym and build a bit of a community where that's the norm, you know, and then that's what your world becomes. Maybe you encounter a few assholes out there, but most of the time, if you're spending a lot of time at, at, at work at, at the studio or whatever, yeah, you can, you can have that. So small change makes big change, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I got um I got one last question I want to ask you, Tom, 
which is uh, the, you've, you've obviously experienced many different sort of gyms over your time. You know, not, you know, most of us, whatever, commercial gym, sports teams, facilities, you know, I don't know, maybe, you have, maybe CrossFit, whatever. Looking at, looking at like fitness as a whole and, and you know, we, we can both acknowledge that like there's, there's many and varied and, you know, people doing different things and that's great. What's one thing that you wish they could all do a bit better if you're looking at these places where people like your members, but instead of coming to your business, they were to go to one of these ones? Mm. I actually think it's more of an emotional shift then obviously I'd like to see different movements being practiced, right? That's an obvious answer. But the feeling I always had when I was in a kind of standard gym setting was everyone feels vulnerable when they're training because it's a physical, like, well, your, your body's your, the site of vulnerability for you. And when you're trying to do something, you're kind of exposing yourself physically. And if you fail at something physically, it's obvious. I tried to do that thing. I couldn't do it. You could work a cushy job and fail for years and keep the cushy job and no one would know you're doing a shitty job. You know what I mean? But physically, it's like obvious. It's right there. You're vulnerable at the moment you step in and try to do something. And the feeling you get in a standard gym is like closure in response to that. You know what I mean? I'm on my phone. You're on yours. Don't look at me. We're strangers. I'm not talking to you. Oh, I might try that new exercise. I don't know how to do that. Uh, what if I fuck it up? You know, I might try to put another kilo on the, oh, but what if I'm, you know, what if I fail or if I'm going to be embarrassed? It's like the response to the vulnerabilities to, is to protect ourselves against it and to close ourselves off from the people around us in that space. And then you can't learn, right? Because learning is failure. So I don't know how you do it <laughs> exactly. It's a cultural thing, but it's like, what if, what if all those spaces you walked into that vulnerability was embraced instead, like a good friendship where you just open with each other and it's like, Hey man, I'm struggling with this. And they say, I'm struggling with that too. And I worked through this a little while ago and this seemed to help me. And it's just like opening out in response to the vulnerability and going, yeah, yeah, I'm vulnerable. I can't do this shit, but I'm trying. I'm failing. doesn't matter. I'm doing my best rather than closing. If you could have that feeling in every physical training space, I mean, gyms would just be magical places and they should be. Um, they can be, and that's what they're set up for in theory, but it's just having people, the reason it doesn't happen. I know it's a long answer, but I think the reason it doesn't happen is that the people who are running the show, they're the trainers or they're the receptionists at the gym or the, they're the owner. They've not come to terms with their vulnerability and with being open about it themselves. So the PT is like, yeah, yeah, but, but I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the good looking guy in here and I'm, you know, I'm jacked and everyone's trying to be, he's kind of got his own shell on as well. So it's like a leading by doing kind of thing. It's a, it's a, you're modeling that behavior. If the leaders, the teachers, the coaches, the gym owners, if they're vulnerable and they're open about the things that they're failing at and they're willing to try things, not knowing how it's going to unfold, then that kind of ripples out from there, I think. Um, so that's a change, right? Embrace your vulnerability, get a bit softer, see what comes of it doesn't matter if you if you make mistakes right that's a cool response mate um i appreciate the the chat today 
I, uh, I really like your outlook on things and I, I personally take a lot away from it, but I, I also think it's, it's a very, um, it's cool for, you know, there's going to be other people who want to do things like what you've done, who want to do things like what we've done, who, you know, it's cool to hear about what, what it takes. And, you know, I guess just some of the realities of, of running a business and stuff. So I think it's a really valuable conversation for us to have had. Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate you having on having me on and asking questions and wanting to know the answer. And, you know, we could have had a very different conversation about in the weeds, running the business and all, all that kind of surface level stuff. But I'm sure you have conversations like that and you're already engaged on that front and those conversations are out there. So I like these sorts of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, yeah. Uh, the way I tend to frame it is like, what do I want to, what do I want to learn from you in a way? Right. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's plenty of podcasts on business, right? Exactly. Um, but to, yeah, to hear the story of like, cause, cause people see your place and they're like, oh, he's obviously successful killing it, you know, whatever. That's great. Like, but I couldn't do that. And you're like, well, no, like it's just a guy that was, was into the movement thing and then wanted to share it with others. And you know, mm. it's, it's what it is, you know, it's become what it is. So mm. I think it's a really inspirational piece. Um, where can people find your stuff? Is there anything, you know, do you have any events coming up? Where can, where can people connect with you? Yeah, sure. So um, you can find us at Praxis Canberra on Instagram. I'm in the list of teachers in the bio there. So you can find me as well and our other, other teachers. Uh, I'm doing a, well, we've got an event. I think it's in October in Sydney with you guys. Ah, uh, yes, you are. Yeah, so I'm doing a cup, a few different expressive movement workshops. You can find those on our website. So if you head to praxis.com.au uh, and go to upcoming events, I believe is the tab, you'll find what we're what we're up to. We've got a men's retreat coming up, which is going to be special, and a few of those different workshops where I'm excited to share share things from that perspective of like, what if your practice was geared toward making you a full, more full version of yourself and allowing you to express yourself freely rather than trapping you within what's already defined as beautiful and good and, and all those sorts of things. Um, so jump on the website, have a look at those events, follow us online and flick us a message if you're interested in working with us. Um, and even if you're not, if there's questions or, hey, I'm struggling with this thing, you want to chat, look, we're, here, we're here to serve and I'm sure you feel the same way. So all you got to do is make that first contact, hey? I'll put links to, to all of that, to the, the website, to the events and, and the Instagram stuff in the show notes. So for anyone listening, you can just find it there. Um, Thomas, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And I, I really look forward to when you do come to Sydney in October. Um, I'd love to be in Canberra before then, but who knows what will happen. Mm. Um, so at the very least, it'd be cool to connect in person when you, when you come up to our spot. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks so much for having me on. Maybe we'll do another one in person when I'm there, hey? I think it's a must. All right. Good man. <laughs> Cheers, Joey. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, if you did, please share the episode with a friend. Send it to someone who you know would benefit from listening to it. Um, it allows us to keep getting awesome people like Thomas on the show and keep doing the things so that you guys can, can listen in on these enjoyable conversations. Uh, thank you. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye.